Last week, we talked just a little bit. Actually, we talked a lot because it was eight points. Uh, I don't think I've ever had that many points in a sermon in my entire ministry life. But uh, we talked about why, why we can be, why we should be, or why we can be positive people in a very negative world. We would all agree that we live in a very negative world today. Everywhere we turn, there's nothing but negativity. Not only in our world globally and and every time you turn the news on or open up social media, but even in our own personal lives. It seems like there's so much negativity everywhere that we turn. And throughout God's word, he gives us reason after reason after reason. As a matter of fact, there was eight points last Sunday. The reason why there were so many points is because there's so many reasons why we can and we should be positive people in a very negative world. And those were eight points simply out of the eighth chapter of Romans. So if you start at Genesis and go all the way through Revelations, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of reasons why we can be and should be positive people in a very negative world. So we could go on and on and on. We could have a year-long series where we just simply talk about the reasons why, the why, why we can be positive people in a very negative world. But today, as I shared last Sunday, I wanted to take a little bit of time today, and I just wanted to talk about how. Last week we talked about why, but today, just for a little while, I want us to look at God's Word and talk about how we can be positive people in a very negative world. It's one thing to understand the reason why I can. It's a whole other thing to put application to it and allow it to go to work in our lives. How am I going to be a positive person in a very negative world? How am I going to live a positive uh, life that glorifies God in in the middle of hellish situations and circumstances in my life? How am I going to do that? Well, guess what? Last week there was eight points Today, guess what? There's one. There's one. I don't know whether to like that clap or not, okay? Because here's the deal. God's not complicated with us. He's not not playing tricks with us. God doesn't give us this maze and say, okay, go try to figure it out now, and hopefully you'll you'll pick the right button. Hopefully you're going to open the right door, and we'll just see. We're going to roll the dice here and gamble on you and see what you do. That's not how God operates. God has a plan for our our lives, and it is very, very simple. So how, how do we live a positive life in the middle of a negative world, it's simply this. I'm giving, you, I'm giving it all to you right here at the beginning. The whole ball of wax, this is it. Put it in your phone, put it in your notes, put it in your hashtag, whatever. The way that we live a positive life in the middle of a negative world is hearing God's voice above all others. Hearing God's voice above all other voices in our lives and in the world. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Go in his grace. Go in his peace today. You're not getting off that easy. There's 22 pages of notes here. I'll go through them really fast, I promise. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God in creation. This is the first time that we have recorded 
the voice of God, the words that God speaks, the creator of heaven and earth, the, 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 the author and the perfecter of all good things in our lives, in our, in our world. Genesis, the first chapter, the third verse, this is the first words we hear from our creator. In verse 3 it says, then God said, what did he say? Let there be light. God said it. He, he spoke the words, let there be light, and there was light. Then God said, let there be light. And, and, and when he spoke, when God spoke, there was a response. His words will, will cause and require a response. Every time God speaks, there's going to be a response. This same, this same pattern that God used to establish the universe is the same pattern that our lives will be established by. It was God's plan. It's sort of the roadmap, if you will. Everything in our lives have the potential to be built up or destroyed by the words that we speak, by the words that we allow ourselves to truly hear and listen to. Proverbs 18.21, familiar verse to most of you in the room, I'm sure, death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of what is spoken and those who love it. If you, whatever words you love, that's the fruit you're going to eat is what he's saying. If you love negativity and you love to speak negativity and you love to listen to negativity, guess what you're going to be munching on for the rest of your life is just a bunch of negativity. But if you love the good things of God, if you love to speak of the, of the life-giving stuff of God's word and, 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 and in our lives, then that's the fruit that we're going to eat. This has been the process that God has used even from the beginning. Ever since creation, words require and cause a response. When we speak words, it brings a response. Words can tear down or words can build up. Words can discourage and words can encourage. I'm sure many of you in this room can remember those moments and times in all of your life, in all of our lives, whenever we were, we were so down, when we were, we were broken, maybe at one of our lowest moments, most discouraged moments, and it seemed like whether it was in the produce aisle at Super One, but, or whether it was our co-worker that sat in the, de the desk next to us, but that right person at the right time spoke just the right word. They spoke a word in that, in that key, crucial moment in our lives. Just that right word, and that word, when it was spoken, it was life-giving. It caused a response. It created and required a response. Words can create strife, or words can create peace. I've seen this in all of our lives. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my home. There's been times in my life, I, I, Paul Russell, uh, a dear, dear pastor friend of ours, he said, he said that uh, when he was a little younger and they were pastoring in Salt Lake City and he had the stress of pastoring quite a large church and it was kind of daylight to dark kind of deal and he come in, drove in one day and all the kids' little toys were out in the, in the, in the driveway, their little go-karts or, or tricycles or whatever and he just got out, he was so upset, he started slinging stuff everywhere he went in and he just was so upset and just hollering and screaming and, and he said, what is wrong with this place? Why is everything? And, and Delia, his wife, looked at him and says, we had peace in this house before you got here the preacher <laughs> I can tell you it's been that way in my house before too Mr. 
Mr. Pastor here, you know, who's, who's out here trying to love on people and serve people and help people. And, and you know, I, and sugar can't melt in my mouth when I come see you in the hospital. I'm going to kiss all of you and dote all over you. I get home and one little thing can set me off. And then all of a sudden they're looking at me and saying, okay, preacher man, where, where's your love now? Where's all your sweetness now? Words can create strife and words can create peace right now. In this very moment, there is a war of words that are going on in every one of us. Research tells us, I think I've shared this before, research tells us that we have about 60,000 words a day that goes through our mind. I don't know how many come out of our mouth, and if I hadn't already picked on Daryl Shipman already one one time today, I'd pick on him again right now, because this guy's got a lot of words a day to get out. And Kim's over there, amen, and the whole time. And I went in and picked on him twice. I'm sorry, Daryl. You're my buddy. I love you. That's why I do it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love you. But research says that we have 60,000 words a day that go through our minds. And that same research shows us that about 50,000 of those 60,000 words in the average person are negative in nature. 50,000 of the 60,000 words that cross through our minds a day are of a negative nature. Now, I'm not sure how this research works. I don't know how they, I don't know how they get this research or how they come up with these numbers. But I'm going to tell you what I do know. I know me. I know myself. I'm around a lot of people who's going through various things and situations of life, and I know how we talk. I know how we think. And I would say that these numbers are probably pretty accurate, that most of what goes on with these voices in our head is not really building us up. Most of the voices that we're listening to day in and day out, just the thoughts in our minds, they're not life-giving. They're not encouraging by nature. They are not positive, if we're being honest. I think about the story of the woman with the issue of blood. In the Gospels, we read about this lady. What we have to know about this woman was it, this was more than just a lady who had a headache and said, I'm going, to the, I'm going to the Jesus rally today and I hope just maybe he'll heal me. That's not, you got to get the backstory here. This lady had a, a horrible disease, or at least at that time and, and, and season and culture in the world was considered, frankly, an unclean disease, almost like leprosy, if you will. This woman would have been, had to have isolated for a long time periods of time in her home and away from society. When she did go into society, she would have to wear some kind of signage or at least verbally proclaim that I am unclean. So it was a, it was a socially disgraceful disease and she was frowned upon and, and shunned by people. Not to mention, so now she's, she's, she's already sick in her body. She's, she's, she's already isolated from society and now she's broke. She has spent all that she has on doctors trying to find a cure, trying to find an answer and she's found none. Twelve years this lady has fought with this disease and battled with this. You can imagine that her 50,000 was probably much higher as far as the negative thoughts that go. Surely at this point she's already started to play the victim. By this time she's already started to blame everybody in the world for what's going on with her. But here's what we see in her in Matthew 9, 21. I love this. I love the way it says it says in verse 21 it says for she said to herself I love that. She said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. She said to herself, all alone in her little apartment 
away from everybody with nobody encouraging her. It doesn't say that someone came along beside her and said, you ought to go to Jesus. There was nobody calling her and encouraging her and saying, the Jesus rally's in town. Why don't you go down there and see if he can do something for you? She didn't go to church and have the pastor tell her, this is what you ought to do. It doesn't say that people around her were encouraging her with anything. In fact, if you read the story, the exact opposite was happening all around her. Crowds were pressing in around Jesus where no one could get close to him. And she was having to literally fight her way through the crowd, all the while proclaiming how that she was unclean. She had just heard about this Jesus. She had heard somewhere that this guy was a miracle worker. All she did was she just heard about it. She, she had heard about this Jesus, and in that moment, sitting there, thinking about it, she says, she told herself. That's what I love so much here. She began to speak to herself. She began to speak life to herself, and this is what she told herself. She says, if I can just get to him. If I can just touch the garment, I just know that if I can just get there, something great is going to happen in my life today. I just know that if I can just touch the garment, I will be healed. But what if she had said something else to herself? What if she had listened to one of the 50,000 voices that, and thoughts that were going through her mind? The truth is that she actually did end up with her healing and her miracle that day. But what if she was saying to herself, all the other things, instead of saying to herself, if only I can get to him. What if the primary dominant voice she had, she had listened to and went with that day had been the discouraging voice, had been the victim voice, had been the negative voice that tells us about everything that's wrong instead of everything that is right? What if the voice she listened to and chose to embrace that day was you're never going to get to him? Don't you see the crowds? The crowds are too great. He, he may not even actually do anything after all once you get there. Doctors can't help you. What makes you think this guy's going to be able to help you? What makes you think that your life can be any better than it is right now? What if she had listened to those voices? What if she had gone along with all the other voices that we know, without a doubt, was going on in her head? How different would her life have been? I do have a couple of points this morning. I told you that the way how we are positive in a negative word, world is by hearing God's voice above all other voices. But here's what we have to be aware of. Here's what we have to listen for. My very first point right out, of the, right out of the shoot today is this. Our greatest battle is within us. We have to know this. It's one thing to say, God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to listen to you. But if we don't understand what's blocking that, if we don't understand the hindrance in that, then we're never going to truly be able to hear his voice. We may hear a good sermon every now and then. We may a book somewhere or even read great scripture in his word that reminds us of things but if we don't get some stuff out of the way that that word and his voice is never going to truly sink in we've got to understand that number one our greatest battle is inside of us Charles Spurgeon said it this way he said beware of no man more than of yourself we carry our worst enemies within us let me say that again beware of no man more than of yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. Most people believe the problem is always out there. 
Uh, the, the problem is, is around me. It's all this stuff. Most have resigned to the fact that the problems in their lives are the people around them or the circumstances that they find themselves in. I want to tell you something. These are not the problems in our life. It's not the other people. It's not the situation or the circumstance we, we're in. We can spend our entire lives trying to fix everything around us and everybody around us and fail to realize that the real enemy the true enemy is within us. It's the voices that we listen to. I know there's some people who are really hypersensitive to the devil. They love to talk about the devil. The devil did this. The devil made me do it. The devil's been after me. The devil's on my heels. The devil this and the devil that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. We talk a lot, or I say a lot, but we certainly, we, we certainly believe in and understand that there is spiritual warfare that takes place in our lives. We understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty by the pulling down, mighty in God by the pulling down of strongholds. We understand that there is a real war that goes on in the heavenlies that we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, wickedness in, in high places. We know this. But the truth, and we know that the devil really exists, but, but here's what, here's what we got to understand is most of the time, we're not fighting the devil. Most of the time, the battlefield is in our own mind. I, I, in the early days of my ministry, and I, I was reminded this morning, in my, it, it came back to my mind this morning as I was thinking about this point of, of, of fighting demons and, and battling demons and casting out demons. I guess there was a season of time where there was a lot of that it seemed like it was going on. I, I'll never forget, I was asked to come, I was 21 or 22 years old at the time, I was asked to come preach at a, a youth revival at a little country Baptist church in Caldwell Parish, I mean out in the sticks. And I got there, this little Baptist church, and I'm telling you, that place was packed out. And a church that seats about 120 people, I, there had to have been 200 people. I mean, they were hanging on the walls and everywhere, and it was a great time. We had an amazing time of worship and the Word and all that. Young people were coming to uh, experience the Lord, all kinds of great things. And they were having a little fellowship food afterward in the fellowship hall, and everybody had kind of scurried out, and there was just five or six adults left. And this lady come in from the back door, and she come in, and she said, I want to know where that preacher is. And she starts cussing and hollering and screaming. She starts calling me every name in the book. And so I, all I knew was this woman is demon-possessed. That's all I knew. You know, if you're going to cuss me, you're demon-possessed. And so, so I start doing all the stuff that I knew to do. And I was laying on the hands. And I was casting out. And we sat there for probably two hours. And, you know, and, and we were praying for this lady. And, we were, and, 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 and it dawned on me as I was leaving Caldwell Parish, going back to Washtenaw Parish that night. I think this is where the light bulb, where the light switch kind of began to come on for me. When I realized, and today I'll tell you, we don't have to fight. We don't have to battle against the, the work of the enemy. We don't have to, we don't have to travail hour after hour the truth is is that that he was defeated at the cross we have the power of the cross and the power of his blood when the enemy comes and he does come he will creep into your house he, he will he will creep into your thoughts and minds but when we understand who we are when we understand the power of the resurrected Christ that works inside of us all we have to do is speak to that thing and it has to flee so what I found out was what I quickly realized was these people that we were laying out on the floor with for hours and hours all through the night what I realized was is that these folks had opened up a door to something in their heart and life and they weren't ready to close the door yet because the bottom line if they ever just decided you know what I don't like this I don't want this anymore you got to go enemy you have no place in my life anymore there might be a little bit of a struggle but the truth of the matter is he's got to go with the name of Jesus Christ so so we give too much power we give too much we give too much uh, ammunition to the enemy, and he does really exist, but the battlefield is within us. 
I, I can let fear take over my life. I can let the enemy rule in my life if I want to, but I'm just going to close the door. I'm going to say, you know, you have no place here. There, you can't coexist with the Spirit of God in my life, and I'm going to let God live in my life. It's as simple as that. But we, we did all this stuff. We've got to quit blaming the devil for everything that goes wrong in our lives and realize that the battle is within us. Yes, he may work. Yes, he may speak some things and stuff into our lives. But we're the ones that's got to open that door. We're the ones who's got to allow him in. We're the ones that's got to give him that ammunition. And we have the power to stop it. God's put that power within us. Surely there's more than like two or three amens in this room to that. Surely you agree with me on that. Amen. Surely somebody's got a handkerchief. I didn't wear a jacket today, so I don't have a handkerchief. I don't have a towel. I don't have nothing. And I'm sweating profusely up here. Somebody take a shirt off or something. I don't know. Give me something to dry. Thank you. Oh, I love that. It is clean. Thank you, Brother Jason. Wow, it's like a do-rag. I'm a... Whew. Smells good, too. What kind of cologne is that you're wearing there? You know, the truth is, most of the time, the devil doesn't have to be at my house. You know why? Because I am. He, didn't have, he, can, he can drive down Highway 865 and say, you know, I think I'll go mess with Kevin. Oh, never mind. Kevin's already there. More often than not, the voices, those voices inside our head, more often than not, they're going to be self-destructive. Those negative voices, they're going to be judgmental and critical. Those voices are going to be self-centered. They're going to be selfish. They're going to be all about me. And then there's that inner critic. That inner critic who is always trying to bring us down. You know that voice. You know that one that tells you you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. That voice that discourages us and brings us down. That voice that makes us feel inadequate. Even right now in this very moment, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking some good word. I'm speaking some amazing truth to us today. But I want to tell you something. There's another voice. I'm hearing what's coming out of my mouth, but there's another voice that goes on in my mind. That voice tells me, Kevin, you're not good enough to do what you do. You, you, you'll never be able to. You're a horrible dad. You're a horrible husband. You'll, you, 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 you fall short and all that. That's the voices we hear a lot of times. Even sometimes while I'm literally standing up here declaring and proclaiming what I know is truth, there's another voice that's playing in my mind I'm hearing this one with my ears but there's another one that many times is much louder inside of my mind is it okay that I'm just very honest and vulnerable with all of us today I, I love people that go around declaring God's word and speaking God's word we just read, read Proverbs 18 21 a while ago where we spoke of the power of what we speak but if we're just speaking it and we don't believe it up here speaking it ain't doing any good it's got to begin right here I got to believe it so if I'm just going around saying I'm blessed and highly favored sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and going to heaven and I haven't really embraced it in my mind and I don't truly know it in my heart and mind it's going nowhere it's just words it's just empty words because the battlefield is in the mind it's within me so I'm not just hearing what's coming out of my mouth today I'm hearing all the voices somebody say quit listening to the voices <laughs> so here's the problem not only is our greatest battle within us but number two Lies create limitations. Lies 
create limitations. I wish I had a lot more time today than what I did because if I did, I would just camp out right here for a little, a long time. This is, honestly, this is probably the most powerful point you'll hear in this whole day. Lies create limitations. I, I think it's the, probably the greatest ministry that ever happened and come out of this church right here and still happens today. There's a, there's a counseling ministry, if you will, and, and very few people know about it and those that do and you've experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's done behind closed doors. It's extremely confidential. And it's not really counseling because it's not a counselor sitting there trying to tell you what you need to do and how to do it. It's literally prayer. But prayer the way prayer is meant to be and the way prayer is supposed to be. Because see, prayer is really not supposed to be us sitting down and spending 95% of the time talking to the Lord and telling him all about our problems. He will hear our faintest cry and he will answer by and by that's a beautiful song and I love it and it has meaning but that's not what our prayer life is supposed to be all in fact it ought to be five percent us talking it ought to be 95 percent us listening because guess what he's got a whole lot more to say than I do and his words have a whole lot more wisdom than mine do I have very limited understanding and he knows it all so I need to close my lips open my ears and hear what God has to say and that's what this ministry does and we have someone who helps guide that process and it's simply this it's saying how do you, what's going on in you today how are you feeling what what are you dealing with in your heart and your mind what are you believing right now and when that's confessed then we have to go to that place and we have to look at it and, and maybe it, we've all had horrific events that have happened in our lives some of us have been victimized in some way or maybe experienced some kind of abuse in our lives whether it be physical abuse or verbal abuse or sexual abuse of some sort some people are just dealing and reeling after a, a major mistake or failure in their life and, and we've had we had these isolated events that have happened in our lives and so what we do is is in those events in those moments we we have to deal with it and for many of us, what we do, because we're kind of pick ourselves up by the bootstraps kind of folks, and we say, you know what, okay, that was an event in my life. That was something that happened in my life. Okay, now I got to get on. Now I got to move on with my life. Some people never do move on, but then the ones that do, they just kind of get over the event. And guess what? It's easy to get over the event. Years will pass by. The bruises will heal. The physical wounds will go away. Many times, the emotional wounds can be suppressed, but we on past the event but here's what we miss here's where the enemy works here's here's how cunning the enemy is is that in the event in that moment whatever it was if it was that failure if it was that divorce in my past if it was that abuse that I that I dealt with in my life whatever it was in that moment a lie was spoken by the enemy and what I did was I embraced that lie and I believed it I adopted it into my DNA and now that lie is part of who I am and what I did was I got over the event and I'm moving past the event. I've gotten married and I've moved on with my life and God is good and I've got a great career and I'm making good money and all that. I've moved past the event, but the lie remained. It was the residue that went with me after the event happened. And so now what I do is every time there's just a little snippet of a reminder of anything, if it's a scent in the air, if it's a, if it's a sign on a billboard, a message, whatever it is, if it's a commercial on TV, all of a sudden there's some little reminder of emotionally, not cognitively but emotionally there's some reminder of that event and what comes back is not the memory of the event what comes back is the lie that I believe because that's what's still alive some of you better start preaching with me right now I'm telling you because that's good stuff that's what happens we're going around blaming the devil get off my back devil when all he did was speak a lie 20 years ago and I'm still reeling in the lie I said I wasn't going to camp here but I did we may have a part three next week and just and just and just stay right here 
What are we believing? What do we believe? We can read all the self-help books we want to. We can go to all the positive mental attitude rallies and hear the Zig Ziglers and have them tell us how great we are. How many of y'all remember the uh, Saturday Night Live sketch back in the day when, when Saturday Night Live was good? Um, and you had Al Franken who played, the, I believe his name was, oh, I forgot, his, I forgot his screen name. But he would look in the mirror and he'd say with a lisp, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. You know, we can do that all day long if we want to. We can, we can do self-help talk all we want to. We can read all the self-help books we want to. We can hear all the motivational speeches that talk about how great we are all we want to. But if we just do that, all we're doing is putting makeup over a vicious, ugly wound and a lie that's going to come back and destroy our lives every single time. And so believing those lies, and I, I wish I had time to take you into how we heal those lies, how God heals those lies and replaces the lie with truth. And when God replaces a lie with truth, the lie is powerless and it's rendered powerless. It has no more power in my life. Just like light, can, darkness can't overtake light, lies can't overtake truth. But truth will dispel lies every single time and light will dispel darkness every single time. But it never works in the reverse. So I would love to take you through how that happens and how we begin to live in truth instead of a lie because then those lies begin to dictate everything they dictate our decisions they they dictate our relationships they 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 begin to sabotage everything in our lives believing the lies will hinder us they will hold us back from accomplishing all that god desires to see fulfilled in our lives believing the lies will hold us back from the greatness that we are capable of believing the lies will hinder us from being positive people in a very negative world. I'm talking about the everyday stuff in our lives. I'm talking about the parenting and, and, and the stuff that impacts our children, the stuff that impacts our marriages, the stuff that impacts our community and the people around us. I wonder what, what great deeds are left today undone in our lives because of the lives that, because of the lies that we have believed. I wonder what all has not happened in our life. I wonder how many limitations we've experienced in our lives because we embraced the lie. And we've lived with the lie. I'll never be able to do that. I'm not good enough for that. Just to kind of go back to my camp out there for a minute. I've dealt with people who experienced sexual abuse. And I don't want to get too graphic, and I won't today, but I will tell you this. They may get over the event. They get past what happened. They say, you know what, I'm going to move on with life. I'm going to have a healthy life. But what they never dealt with was that lie that they believed. And years and sometimes decades later, it's finally coming to surface. And in that moment, they believed, it's all my fault. They believed, I'm guilty. If I hadn't have been there at this place, this wouldn't have happened. Worst of all, they feel like something's wrong with me. I'm dirty. I'm filthy. And it was a lie from the enemy. The truth is they were an innocent victim. And, 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 and some, some predator took advantage of them, but, 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 but they believed a lie. And everything in their mind said, I was just a kid. I, and, and, and that should have never happened. In their mind they say that, but the lie they've embraced in their heart is, I'm no good. I'm not worthy of love. I'm tarnished. I'm dirty. And they live with the lie. And now it's limited them in everything in their lives. 
They feel like they're not worthy of a good spouse in their life. They feel like they're not worthy of the blessings of God in their life. They feel like they're not even worthy to come into a church or, or experience the presence of God all because of the lie that they believe from the enemy. That's why we're so quick to declare the goodness and the faithfulness and the never-ending love of God. We're not going to preach people into hell. We're going to preach people into heaven. We're going to let them know how much their God loves them because there's enough in the world. There's enough lies in them already that's telling them that they are lost and undone and not worthy of God. So it's the church's place to rise up and say, you have a place in God's kingdom and he loves you beyond measure. He loves you in spite of all, everything in your life and because of everything in your life. I just wonder what all we've missed. I wonder what all we haven't experienced because of the lies. I think about the, the children of Israel coming out of, coming out of Egypt, out of the place of captivity, and they've made this journey through, through the wilderness and on their way to the, to the promised land that, that God had promised them. And what should have been a 30 to 40 day journey for these millions of people, what should have just been a 30 to 40 day journey turned into a 40 year journey where they went round and round in the wilderness. And it was all because they wouldn't embrace what God had for their lives. All along the way, their progress was hindered because of the voices that was inside of their head. They were now free, but the lie they believed is that we're still bound. We're not good enough. We'll never be able to experience that. In fact, all the, all the ones that left out of Egypt, only, only a small portion of them actually made it into the promised land. All of the rest of them, they just circled around in the wilderness and they all died off. And the reason it happened that way was because of the voices that were in their head. Even Moses, their, their leader, the one who God spoke to and he obeyed and ushered them out of the land of captivity of Egypt and going toward the promised land. Even he didn't get to make it into the promised land because he had a voice that kept telling him he wasn't good enough. He had that voice that kept telling him somehow he wasn't worthy, he was inadequate, he was incapable of doing what God had clearly called him to do. But the voices got the best of him. Is this too heavy? Is it too much today? We'll get it lighter next week, I promise. So, God, so spies were sent out. They're still in the wilderness. They're close to the promised land. Send 12, 12 spies out, one for each tribe. And, and they all come back. And 10 out of the 12, only two came back with a good report. But 10 of the 12 came back and says, we can't go into that land. There's no way this will ever happen. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. These folks are giants. You ought to see the fruit. You ought to see these people. There's no way. It'll never happen. And guess what? They didn't. But there was two. There was two that said we're not going to believe the lie. There was two that understood that lies cause and, and create limitations in our lives. And they said, you know what? You see us as grasshoppers, but I know God's word and I know God's promises. And this is what God says. And he is faithful and his promises are yes and they are amen. And that land is our land and we will make it through. But it's these voices, the voices, the people were all slaves. Most of them now, all of them now had grown up in slavery in Egypt. And then making that mental shift from seeing themselves as slaves seemed impossible for them. Even though God was giving them, he was giving them the opportunity now to occupy their own land and to build houses and to raise their children in a land of freedom to cultivate their own land and to grow their own crops and harvest and be the owners of their own life for the first time, God was presenting them this precious and beautiful opportunity right before them. 
And none of these things were accomplished in their lives because of the voices, the voices that they kept believing, the lie that they kept believing. I'm going to tell you something, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I look around at some of our young people today, even in our own community, young teenagers and young adults. It breaks my heart when I see these young people. And and, and, and for some of them, uh, they will never, unfortunately for some, they'll never live out the potential that God has in their lives because of the lies, the voices inside their heads. They don't see themselves as God sees them. They see And they hear and they only know the lies. The lies create limitations. It's time to get rid of the voices. My next point is this. I heard the statement and it it resonates with me a lot. Dialogue determines destiny. Dialogue determines destiny. It's a lot like the previous point. Lies create limitations. But I really like this word dialogue, back and forth. An example of this is found in Genesis chapter 1 where where Adam and Eve, they're in this place of paradise. They're in the garden. But there's another resident in that garden. There's been an invader, if you will, in that garden. The, The Bible just simply refers to him as the serpent. And that serpent comes along and starts a conversation. Dialogue. And here's the point. It's really... It really doesn't matter what the enemy says. The enemy can say all the enemy wants to say. He can spew and and utter whatever lies he wants to spew and sputter. It's all about whether or not I choose to engage in the dialogue. I become a participant in the conversation. It's really not about him talking or what he's saying. The real problem is when we start talking back. The real problem is when I start engaging, when you start having conversation with that voice, that one that's going to pull us down, that's going to bring us down. And that's exactly what Eve did. She engaged in the conversation. She got engrossed in the dialogue. And dialogue determines destiny. The problem was not that the the serpent was talking to her. The problem began when she started talking back. Never engage with the voices. If we're going to live a victorious and overcoming life, a positive life in the middle of a negative world, we must start recognizing that there's a lot of voices fighting to be heard and fighting to be the loudest in our heads. And most of it is going to take us places we don't need to go. I heard someone say one time that thoughts, thoughts are like a train. And they'll take you somewhere and they're just thoughts. They they come through like 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 a train on a train track with many carts. And they're coming by all the time, and the voices, they're always there. And the problem comes whenever we decide to jump on the train. Don't assume you can get on the train or engage in the conversation and it not take you somewhere that you really don't want to go. If we don't want to go where it's going to take us, plain and simple, we have to stay off the train. we got to stay out of the dialogue. We can't engage in the dialogue. I have nothing to say to the enemy. And I have nothing, I don't want to hear anything he has to say. So when I hear those voices, when I experience those moments, that heaviness, that depression, those words, those voices, guess what? I'm not jumping on the train. I'm not going to engage in the conversation. And my last point, and I'm closing. Some of you that are married are going to appreciate this point. 
we can hear whatever we want, not whatever is said. You ever said that before? You heard what I said, but you're not listening to me. <laughs> we can hear whatever we want to hear, not necessarily what is said. And that's kind of a negative thing in your house. It's a positive thing here. We don't have to listen to everything we hear. We don't have to embrace every word that is spoken. We can hear whatever we want to hear necessarily is said we can choose whatever voice we want to listen to i think about these cool dr dre beats that most of the kids have today y'all know what i'm talking about they're like six thousand dollars headphones a few years ago y'all blessed me with this great offering for something appreciation birthday something and I said, you know what, I'm just going to spoil myself with this. That's not, this ain't to pay bills. This is just to love on Kevin a little bit, so I'm going to spoil myself. So I went and bought me some $300 Bose noise cancellation headphones. And these things are amazing. I don't know if you've, never, I don't know if you've ever had any before. I put them on, but there's this little toggle switch on the side. When you put those things on your head, they're just like having normal over-the-ear headphones. But you push that little toggle switch, and all of a sudden, it sucks everything out. You don't realize what all you're hearing. Right now, if, if we didn't say a single word, there's still, there wasn't a note being played on the keyboard. If nobody was talking and nobody was moving, there is still this deafening noise in the room. And you don't even realize it till you cancel it. It's great for airplanes too, by the way. Like you just zone out. I think we need to keep our headphones close by. We need to learn to cancel out the voices. We need to hear what we want to hear, what we need to hear. I think about our great fighting Tigers. How many of you have been to Tiger Stadium on game day on the hill? That marching band from Tigerland comes down. And then behind them comes our Tigers. They're all decked out in their suits. They're strutting down that hill. Most, some of them maybe will say hello to somebody, but most of them, they got tunnel vision. They want to get in that locker room. They got a game to play. And boy, did they play some games this year. Woo. But uh, thank you, Jesus. And Joe Burrow. Coach O. Go Tigers. All right. I digress. But I love every one of them had those headphones on. And they're just focused. They got a mission. What they're doing is, I'm sure they're listening to some rap music or whatever, something to motivate them. But what they're really doing is they're drowning out all the voices. They're, they're, they're drowning out all of the distractions, all of the naysayers, even the cheers from the crowd. They don't even want to be distracted by that. They, they just want to be focused. And any champion, any successful athlete will tell you that they cannot hear everything people say and still be their best. They can't hear all the voices and still be their best. They can't read everything that people write about them and still be their best. They'll never be a champion if they're always engaging in those voices. If we want to live our very best life that God has called us to, if we want to be positive people in a very negative world, if we want to live the life that God intended for us to live, 
to reach all the potential that he has put in us. We've got to find a way to be able to cut away all of the voices and keep the right stuff flowing into our heart. We've got to put our Dr. Dre's on. We've got to put our Bose noise cancellation on. We, we, we need to have a way to hear what we want to hear, what we need to hear, and nothing else. For some of us in this room, it may be time to turn Fox News off or CNN News off and just shut it down for a while. For some of us, I don't know who I'm speaking to, for some of us it's time to turn social media off because all we're seeing and all we're hearing are the voices. I see it this way. I see it that way. All the Democrats, all the Republicans, Trump. Did y'all see what happened in our community last week? You hear what the sheriff did. I can't believe he did that. It's on every level, every level. Can I just tell you that we have that control? There's some things that God's going to supernaturally do in our lives, and thank God for it. But there's some things he's given us the control of. He's given us the control to be able to listen to and hear. Oh, you hear me, but you're not listening to me. No, I, I, you're right. I'm not listening to you. I hear words. You're like, but you're just going to be like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. Because I'm not listening to the negativity anymore. I'm not listening to the lies of the enemy anymore. I have control over that. I, I'm going to decide what I ingest into my mind. So many of us for too long, we've been listening to the wrong voices. And we need to position ourselves to hear God's voice over all other voices. If we get this, nothing, nothing can stop us from becoming the people and the person that God has called us to be. If we silence the other voices, if we begin to fill our minds with the right stuff, there is no limit to what can be accomplished in our lives. Would you stand with me today? I want to I declare one verse of Scripture today. I want it to be the motto and the, the mantra that we take from this service with us today. Oh, it's a familiar Scripture to all of you in this room, I'm sure. I'm sure you've read it at some point or heard it. Philippians, the fourth chapter, the eighth verse. This is what Paul tells us to do. Here's a guy who has experienced all kinds of issues and problems in his life. We talked a lot about it last week. Shipwreck, beaten, left for dead, all these things, snake bitten many times. And here's what he encouraged the church to do. Here's what he encouraged God's people to do. He said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, and by true, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I know it from the source. It's true. No. I'm talking about the opposite of lies. The opposite of the word of the enemy over our lives. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. And then he just puts the icing on the cake, the cherry on the top, and he says, if there's any virtue in it, if there's anything praiseworthy in it, meditate, meditate, meditate on these things. 
You know, meditation is a word that the, the New Age world stole his word. It was his idea. Meditation was his plan. We talked about it a while ago without using the word. Meditation is me sitting and listening to God, closing out every other voice, closing out every other distraction, and just sitting in his presence and listening and hearing his voice. If we stop, if we clear out all the clutter, he will speak to us. These are the things you need to meditate on day and night. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter how hellish it is in the hallway right now. The truth is, is that there's so much good. And if there's anything good, if there's anything, he says, whatever. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. We're going to silence the voices. And we're going to hear God's voice over all other voices. We're going to be positive people in a very negative world. We're going to walk through some very negative and dark of life. We're going to experience loss. We're going to experience pain. We're going to have hurt in our life that it seems like is completely unbearable. We're going to be betrayed. We're going to be rejected. Stuff's going to happen in life. I hate to say it, but some of us are going to encounter sickness. There are those of us in this room right now that's walking through cancer. We're going to walk through these things of life. But while we're walking, we're going to be positive people in a very negative world. We're going to hear God's voice over all other voices. So thankful to see Nicole Smith in this house. You're a a champion. You and Jim and your family. Tell you what makes you a champion. I know there's been some dark moments. I know there's been some, 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 pillow-soaked nights. I know there's been some some worry. I know the enemy has tried to speak words and lies. I know that. But at the end of the day, when all is said and done, when the dust settles, you rise up, you put your beats on, and you say, fear, you're a liar. I got the truth of God over my life. I will be victorious. I got too much good ahead of me. God's done too, he's been too faithful. He's been too good in my life. Hearing God above all others. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you for your miracle working power that you and only you can do. I thank you that you're the restorer, you're the healer, you're the comfort, God, for our pain. God, you are the, you're the companion that walks beside us when we're lonely. God, you are, you are our great physician, you're the master surgeon. God, you are our all in all. And we look to you today, God. And what we're saying to you today, God, is We're closing out all the voices. Lies create limitations. We're not going to live in limitations anymore. We're not going to engage in the dialogue anymore. We're acknowledging that, yes, there's a real enemy in the world, but we have to give the authority that the battle is really just within us. That when we close the door and kick him out, God, you come and speak your word, speak your truth. We will embrace that truth. And through that, God, we know that we can be mightily used for your kingdom. There can be an incredible impact that is done through your people and your church when we choose to be positive people in a very negative world. Bless your people today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we worship together before we go home today? Let's take a moment and just look to the Lord. We're going to be dismissed in just a moment. God bless you.